0: Larry, what brings you to Story Expo 2014?
1: Um, I'm I'm reconnoitering and and also pitching uh, a film and a TV series that uh, I have, a feature film and a TV series. Basically, I'm pitching a character, and the character is in the movie, and the character is also the star of the series, Emmett Demas. um, So I'm here to also see what what they're looking for, and if anybody's looking for something that's a little offbeat which they're not. I mean, generally. Uh, So I'm trying to find out what's going on on the other side of the camera. You know, I'm kind of explored acting. I want to explore writing and and filmmaking. I want to make my own films, eventually. Mm -hmm. Which I've been doing, actually.
0: And how long have you been working on this specific idea? 10 years. 10 years, okay.
1: 10 years. Well, I mean, I've been working on the character for 10 years. I've been filming him for 10 years and writing for 10 years in different places. Uh, sometimes I had a show. Now, I started out with a, with a show. Actually, my sister, strangely enough, sent me a sketch I made in 1976 of a character named Emmett, who's an old guy, you know. And this character, Emmett, that I'm here to pitch is an old guy. So I, I guess I've been thinking about him since 1976. That's really weird. And uh, because I've been working as an actor, either looking for work or actually working, or trying to memorize lines, I I don't have much time to to actually become a filmmaker. Um, I have ADHD, so I can only think of maybe 10 things at once. And uh, (laughs) So um, I took a sabbatical about a year ago. And, and I just said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to work on filmmaking. So I have these three film, three uh, mature films that I did about Emmett, and they won prizes all over the all over the world, actually, and, uh, and in festivals and stuff. And I thought, okay, I think I'm ready to write the feature and act as Emmett. So that's what I. That's why I'm here.
0: But why now? Have you had Emmett in your mind since nineteen? Well, I think I'm old enough
1: to do him now. And uh, I've also figured out how to write him uh, in the long form. You know, uh, film shorts, they're, they're ten minutes is not long enough for me to develop what I want to develop about him, because it's a comedy and he's a comic character like like Chaplin or like Louis C.K., but um, you have to really know a character, at least in in my way of thinking, Uh, and uh, I think I've made enough film shorts about him and learned enough about the arc of character and stuff like that, so that uh, that's why now I, I feel I'm ready. For some reason, I don't know. There's a voice inside him. He said, "Okay, do it now." Um, I mean, nobody told me to do it, and you
0: know. the voices don't say anything back.
1: they—they uh, <laughs> they say, "Go for it."
0: Good. Oh, those are good voices. And why do you feel that? Emin- oh, oh yeah, well,
1: may I just? Please, oh, absolutely. No, everybody says no. Don't do anything ever about anything ever. I mean, that's just how the universe the human universe talks. The other universe is pretty cool, right? It says, go for it, if you see what I'm saying.
0: I do, and what, what do you think the reasons behind the human universe?
1: Nobody wants you to change because if you change and they're not, it's on them. So let's everybody just stay the same and we'll all be in our comfort zone and let's not talk about it.
0: Okay, that's good, we won't, that's good.
1: <laughs> So I just, you know, when, you, when one day, some people wake up to that fact, and I woke up, you know, about, I guess about two, three or four years ago, I, I said, you know, that voice that started to say, hey man, you know, I'm going to just do this, and they go, no, you're such a good actor, why don't you just keep acting, you know, and they say, nah, I want to be a filmmaker, that's what I say, and that's what the voices say, but people say, yeah, but don't, you know, you're such, we, we love you in... <laughs> Like your agent, you know, things like that.
0: Why do you feel that Emmett is too non-mainstream or whatever the word is? Maybe too well, expensive? so far I've been
1: pitching and that's the, they say, he's kind of quirky. That's what you get. Oh. That's, that's what I've been getting. Wow, he's, he's kind of quirky. And he is, he's totally quirky. I mean, you know, just like Louis C.K. is quirky or Chaplin is quirky or, you know, any other funny, Adam Sandler is pretty quirky. You know, uh, but th- that shouldn't matter. It never does. I mean, you know, the first guy is always weird. Mm-hmm. You know, first so, guy, we're doing whatever.
0: Well, what are the notes that you've gotten? Because you, you'd already pitched today or no, you Yeah, the notes
1: pitch. are, well, we, we're kind of, we, we're looking for something more grounded. We're looking for uh, something, uh, what's kind of quirky. I mean, uh, we make a lot of stuff for Hallmark. Um So I like it. I mean, I, I really do, but um, I, I don't know if I, you know, I don't think we would do something like this. Uh, basically, so what I'm hearing is he's too funny <laughs> that, That's that's the, a, the message I get. And I, I come from you know second city, I come from the committee, I come from, you know, Charlie Chaplin, Louis C.K., Bob Dylan, you know, Lenny Bruce. You know, Lenny Bruce was too quirky, <laughs> Bob Dylan was too quirky. Um, they were all too quirky. Anybody who's funny is basically started out too quirky, you know. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there a way in your mind you could tone Emmett down Ah, there you go. That would kill <laughs> Emmett. <laughs>
1: I mean, I've tried it other ways. It's not me. I mean, you know, uh, I would rather, uh, this is so cliche, but I would rather do it my way. Uh, At least I know that when you turn me down, it's something that I wanted to do, it's something that I did sincerely, and it's not for you. That's cool. But if I do it your way and you turn me down, I'm effed. Because what did I learn? I didn't learn anything by that, you know. Uh, So I'm also a student, you know. So i got to get something out of a no. So if, if I do it my way and you give me a no, I've learned something. If I do it your way and I get a no, I've learned nothing, I think.
0: Larry, how much time did you have to pitch today? Five minutes five
1: minutes. Okay. Which is really funny. I, I mean, that's, that's just a psychological thing because the first time I pitched, I mean, the first guy I pitched to was at 10 o'clock this morning. Um, and it was the first pitch. And, I, you know, I hadn't pitched to anybody. I've been rehearsing it at home and, you know, thinking about it. And I've been talking about it with friends and stuff. But when it becomes official, you know, it's your first pitch. So I felt very rushed. And, you know, I didn't think I said it the right way, but about the third or fourth one, I, I sort of settled down. Then five minutes was plenty of time, you know, because I got my story straight. And I, you know, so that's the other thing that I'm here for. And, and that is actually to learn how to pitch. I mean, l- literally, and that, that's very conscious. I, I uh, again, I learned something. You know, I, I think I have uh, 11 or 12 pitches that, that I've signed up for. I may have more later. But, uh, and I thought, okay, what, what happens if nobody buys my pitch or nobody wants to read my stuff? Okay, then i got to work on my pitch maybe. But I think that what I, I did, and you know, people have read it, and I've, I I've also have reviews of the show. I, I also did and th- have a theater show about Emmett about this character that I want to make the movie about. It got rave reviews in the L.A. Times, so I have the affirmation that I'm on the right track, and the film shorts I've made about Emmett have won prizes. I've gotten you know, an Academy Award nomination for films that I've done. So I don't need that, but maybe I'm not getting across. That could be. But again, if I did it your way, I wouldn't learn that.
0: Well, what's your first step in writing a screenplay? What, what, what do you do whether it's Emmett's character or... I have
1: to, uh, it's, the, it's the hard way. I, I have to be moved. You know, I can't just, I'm not a writer per se. You know, I, 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 I can't, you can't hire me as a writer. I, 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 it would be hard for me because I, I know Emmett so well. And then things happen in the news or to me, and I go, wow, this is, this is a great Emmett story right here. I lived in my car for a year. I mean, this is years ago when I was much younger. But I was homeless for a year, and Emmett is homeless. I also was a biker for for a long time. You know, I crashed and all that stuff that bikers do. Uh, so I know about motorcycles, and he's a uh, he, He's done Coyote on a motorcycle, basically. That's the film. That's what the film is about. Uh, and so, but I know about it. Um, you know, if you ask me to write about. Uh, hijacking Somalia, you know, hijacking boats and stuff. I would have to do a lot of research and reading, but I, you know, all my life has been kind of research for Emmett. You know, he's very familiar to me. And so uh, I write what comes up. Uh, right now, I, I, what I'm doing is trying to learn pitching and raise money for, for the feature or for a um, TV series. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm learning how to do that. How do you raise money? Pitching is one way. You pitch to the studios. I'm going to have to pitch to my uncle, you know, later. And so I'm, that's what I'm learning here. So, you know, and, when, and then I'll pitch to my sister. And, you know, it, it's a process.
0: Going back to that year that you lived in your car, mm-hmm. what, what humor could you bring to that?
1: Oh, man, are you kidding? Where do you go to the bathroom? You know, where, where, do you, where, do you, uh, where do you take a shower? You know, you start, the, the friends and the friends' wives, you know, why is he coming here all the time? Must he, can he take a shower somewhere else? And you hear these conversations, you know, in the next room, you know, and, and you say, okay, well, I've worn out my invitation here. You know, uh, what McDonald's will let you use their bathroom? Uh, how do you get phone messages? Uh, you know, where do you park at night when you're living in your car? Uh, When you leave your car and you come back at night uh, your battery is gone There's I mean a lot of adventures, you know, and I watched Charlie Chaplin and I go Yeah, that guy was that that guy was I don't know if he was homeless, but he was poor that guy was poor Why there's just a sense of that guy knows more about being uh, a homeless guy about about trying to get a job than normal because he was there and he did it. So there, there's an inner, there's a voice, there's a truth to, to living it. And if you can live it and tell about it, it's generally, the worst turns to laughter. That's, that's Shakespeare, that's true. I mean, the worst things that happened to me are, are now funny, but they weren't when I was going through it. You know, I mean, you come back to your car and your guitar is stolen, that's like a tragedy, man. You, where are you going to get another gu- That's my guitar. It keeps me calm. You know, it's just, your battery is gone. How am I going to move the car? I got to get it to the other side of the street on Thursdays. I mean, that stuff becomes funny and telling about it. But when you tell about it, people know that you did it. You know, you were, you were there. And that's why I like Emmett so much. I can plug a lot. Of, I've developed a character that's a receptacle for, for Larry, you know. Uh, he's got an, his own life too, Emmett. I mean, sometimes he says stuff that breaks me up. Um, like he was talking about begging, and he said, um, "He says my my he says my silent partner is the the church. My uh, the church's job is to instill guilt. My job is to leverage it. <laughs> That's the life of that. He's a beggar. You know, Emmett said that I didn't. You know." Uh, it's, it's funny when you write. It's, the, the character also adds his two cents.
0: So you've already written this screenplay? Yeah. Okay. How was it when you first started, like the first seven days, I know you'd had Emmett in your mind for years, versus the last week of finishing that screenplay?
1: How it's all it the same way? to me. It's just different stages, but it's all writing. It's just you write differently. The, the first way you do it to me is I just write... Uh, it's really, it's, it's really funny, but very common, I guess, to psychologists. You know, your subconscious keeps track. Your subconscious is like, I, I read in a book, that your subconscious is like the keel. You don't see it. It's underneath the water. But it keeps you steady. You know, that's what keeps the sail from, <clears throat> it's the keel, that the, the pressure. Gets. So the subconscious, um, so I start to just write stuff down, anything that occurs to me you know maybe uh, uh, maybe my car gets stolen I'll just write anything I know about cars being stolen or stealing or cars or you just write a whole list and other writers do this too I, I mean this is not unique to me but you just keep writing as the ideas flow until you finally go I don't want to write I don't want to do this anymore and I put it away and then I read it And as you start to read it, you see, there's a, holy cow, there's a theme here. Certain ideas in different forms, either car or stealing or guitar or, there's a theme, and so you follow the theme. In other words, it now, the writing tells you what to write. Oh, oh, this is what my subconscious is really talking about when I'm, what I think is just blathering on, on a piece of page. You know? So you just follow that, so that's the next stage. You just follow the, what the writing is telling you, and then you explore that. Then you read that, at least that's what I do. And, and it starts to become into a solid, and then, and then you try to look what's the, 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 the substructure of the story, because the facts that are related become a story that one person tells. I mean, it may have started with divergent people, but shh, and then it all smushes into Emmett and he's on this trip. And then I put him on a road or something or I put him in a house. And, that, and then, the, so the story comes, but how I write is different in each stage, so I keep interested. I, I don't just work on one kind of thing for three months. You know, and sometimes I'll just put it in a drawer and walk away you know, and this pitch, rehearsing for this, you know, I would, I got a little hand camera, you know, and so I would pitch to the camera, and then I would listen to it, maybe I'd type it out, see what I remembered from the pitch, do it again, and I was learning how to pitch, okay, you know, these points are important, and you want to remember this, but I was learning about the story, I was, I was, I said, wow, man, I have told myself this story that the screenplay is that I'm trying to get. 96 pages into th- five minutes or four minutes. But I'm learning more about the story. So when I go home, and a and the, the couple of people said, okay, send me the this, this screenplay. I'm going to change it a little because I've told the story so many times rehearsing for this that I saw, wow, the story is actually a lot sharper and tighter now. So I can go home and edit. So it's a process. It's always a, a process. You know, it's like, some painters never finish painting. You know the, the the artist Roald. He would sell you a painting, and then five years later he'd knock on your door and he'd say, "Can I have the painting back? I want to change the red." I mean, the painting was never finished. You know, you had to agree to that when you bought the painting. Now, I may come back in five years. I mean, okay. <laughs>
0: Does Emmett ever get a steady roof over his head?
1: Yeah, that's the that's the, the, the TV version, there's a TV version where he's a homeless character like, like Charlie Chaplin where he has a neighborhood, Venice Beach. So I took the motorcycle away from him, he's got this funky old motorcycle with a sidecar. Uh, I took the motorcycle away from him and I just wanted to nail him down for for, for the sitcom, it's a one camera. but. Uh, that was a bow to, I guess, other people. You know, you want to make it cheap and keep them in one place. So, uh, so, yeah, he's he he became homeless when I took the motorcycle away and I put him on a bicycle. Uh, and uh, so he, uh, but now he saves people like Chaplin did or like basically it's louis ck without the two daughters in the apartment <laughs> you know he, he just takes care of things he takes care of people if you got your shoes stolen he'll find them if somebody breaks into your store he will beat up the guy if he's if there's a you know a, a bully like chaplin he saves the girl and he's looking for you know love and a place to uh, to stay the difference is that what he's looking for is a home and somebody to love or care for, but he also finds out that he functions best as an outsider, and that's a kind of a tension which I think Chaplin had. He wouldn't keep a job for long.
0: What's What's interesting about that outsider? Why do you relate to that? you
1: can You can function. Because That came from a discussion I had with the director a long time ago when I, when I was doing the Emmett show. I have a show, and so I was talking to the director, and, and I said, he said, why is Emmett homeless? And I said, I don't know. Why is Charlie Chaplin homeless? And he said, well, you tell me. Why is Charlie Chaplin homeless? And we both came to the conclusion that, wow, he wants to be homeless. He functions best. You have a, there's a certain freedom. And, uh, I mean, like even in a marriage, a lot of people are freer in the marriage because, I don't know, they belong. Uh, He belongs, he, he, Emmett is a survivor, he functions as a survivor. He's like an alley cat or like a cockroach. I mean, that's what they do, you know. Uh, Some, some things are best left wild. You know, they function best that way.
0: What did you learn about your method of pitching? You would said you were a little nervous at one point. You felt you rushed it or said something?
1: Well, you know, I started out basically at heart. I'm a stand-up comedian. That's how I started. I used to open for Woody Allen. I mean, I was very successful at it. And um, as a stand-up comedian, all stand-up comedians, you read the audience. It becomes an instinct. Maybe you're born with it. I mean, I, I think I was because I just am a natural storyteller, but uh, a funny storyteller. And you, you listen, you, you find out, because I never wrote anything. When I was a stand-up comedian, I never wrote. I didn't know how to write. I mean, I, you'd give me a white piece of paper and I would freeze. What I would do is I would get up on the stage and I would talk about my, my day or something that happened to me, you know, that I thought was funny, that I told my friend and I'll tell you in the coffee houses back in the day. And you listen to what the audience laughs at, what they're interested in. You can feel it or hear it. And after a while, it becomes a learned instinct that you would have a photographic memory for laughs. I have a photographic memory for laughs. If I entertained you or told you stories about myself, I would just be talking and we would be having a conversation, kind of one-sided. But... A conversation. And um, if I had to go up on the stage, I could go up on the stage and tell the same story I told you but made it much shorter. I could tell the story just for the laughs. I would kind of, my mind would kind of, well, that's an instinct I have. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't write it down or, rem- or try to remember where you laughed. I, I, I just tell the story and all the stuff you didn't laugh at drops out. And that's how I worked as a stand-up comedian. So that's how I kind of, it's, it's kind of an instinct, you know, you're just born with it. Like, you know, comic timing. You, you really can't teach that. That's something you're born with. You know, some people are born musicians, some have a perfect ear, mm-hmm. pitch. You know, you just go with what you know. <laughs> what you're good at, I guess, what you like.
0: Looking back on what you've applied to the story with Emmett, what is something or some things that you're almost embarrassed to admit that weren't clear to you on actually writing a script? I know you said you, you kind of piece it together from different things, yeah. but what is something that you've like, aha, why, why didn't I think of that earlier? It was so clear in terms of writing. Wow, that's
1: the story. I mean, first of all, I have ADHD, so I have been clueless most of my life. I mean, even even now. I will find out what I learned or what was going on maybe a year from now. I I used to be in the committee, which was a very hip, you know, like I was in Second City. That was a very hip, you know, far reaching and uh, great satirical company. But it took me 10 years to figure out wow, we were so cool. I didn't think I was cool at all. I, I was just you know, uh, we were like trained Dobermans. That's I mean, we literally said that out loud to ourselves. We were Mr. Meyerson, Mr. Meat, he was the director and owner of the theater, the committee, uh, and we were his trained Dobermans. He'd come in with a newspaper and he said, let's get Nixon. You know, and I'd say, well, you know, well, what? And he'd say, well, you know, get up there and improvise. And I, you know, we'll throw some stuff. You know, blah blah blah. And then he would, we would do that. And he would come back after the end of the show, and he'd say, yeah, "Explore that part about you know what what you were talking about there. Explore that." So he would, and then so he would just do what he said, like trained dogs. Now he wasn't writing the stuff because we were improv- improvising on the stage. It was coming out of us, and he was kind of guiding it. So in a way, it was our show, but. But I didn't know that. We really didn't know how intelligent we were until we came off the stage after making everybody laugh. Well, it took me 10 years to figure out how funny I was. I still find that to be true. In 10 years, I'll find out how hip this here thing is. Wow, was that cool? Uh, So I'm always in lag time. I've given up trying to figure out anything. I just put one foot in front of the other, you know? you just keep on going. Don't look back.
0: <laughs> if you were going to give another screenwriter a pep talk, let's say they were coming to Story Expo 2015, and maybe they were nervous. We heard from a couple other people that there were some people that were nervous. Right. What would your pep talk be to that screenwriter?
1: Don't be nervous. Okay. That's it. um, it's, uh, it, first of all, it doesn't serve anything. Uh, maybe it does, it helps you prepare, maybe, oh, I'm nervous, I better prepare. So you prepare, but you can prepare without being nervous, so nervous has nothing to do with it. Um, uh, but um, I find that I've always been right, artistically, maybe not among other people, but artistically I've always been right. Maybe I didn't have enough chops, so keep writing or keep drawing, or, you know, I, I paint also, but, but keep, keep doing it and always try to be better, and always try to do your best. But don't listen to other people. Uh, well, I guess you can listen, but you don't have to do what they say. Uh, and that's, I guess, the difference. You know, listen. I've always been right, and I found out every other person has always been right who's been successful. Successful people are right, a priori. One of the great things about, uh, about pitching uh, my rehearsal back at home, was. I said, okay, what's the core of the clown? What's the core of the clown? And then I had to go, what's the core of Chaplin? What's the core of any clown? No doubt. Clowns have no doubt. That's why they're funny. I mean, they, they hit a challenge, and they, they hit a wall, they get stopped. But they don't... They don't the Chaplin, once he's stopped, just goes in another direction, but he doesn't back up and go, oh, God you know they 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 get over they get over they don't get over it they get over it keep going forward i remember tarantino said some of the most brilliant thing you know the director he said well how you know how do you just keep going he says i think of myself as a pac-man you know that game pac-man he said, I think of myself as a Pac-Man. I can't go back. I can only go forward in huge bites. <laughs> and I thought, cool. Thank you, Mr. Tarantino. So that I just keep that in mind. There, no doubt, man. You just keep going. You and and maybe you're not good enough now for this, but as long as you get better, just Keep on going. That, that, that's all. So, you know, and learn. I'm not saying you, you can't learn. Uh, that's why I'm here, to learn how to pitch, you know.
0: But there was never a time when someone just crushed you. Oh, yeah, all the time. Said, My
1: parents, uh, <laughs> close friends. Oh, okay. I mean, everybody but crushes you. But you. you
0: didn't listen to listen. Yes, I did. Oh, you did listen to me. And,
1: and then that, that, was, that was the tragedy. I listened to these stupid people. I remember a therapist once said, Um, uh, I was complaining about my father and he, first of all, he, 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 the first thing he said was, God, I said, God, what? He said, the shit that parents tell their kids is unbelievable. He said, every kid that comes in here, he said, they're fine. It's their parents that are fucking crazy, but I can't tell them that because they'll stop taking the kid here. So, you know, the best I can do is protect the kid. From who? From their parents. It's parents who fuck up kids. Kids don't fuck themselves up. You're born. Cool. You know? And then layers come on you. So, uh, you know, I I don't know.
0: But you chose not to listen, obviously.
1: After a while, I learned because I tried to do it their way. I tried to do it my parents' way. I tried to do it my teacher's way. I tried to do it everybody else's way and it never worked. So I thought, hey, let me try it my way. And I found out, A, I was a lot happier. And gradually I became better and more affirmed. The world affirmed. You know, throw that one hand up and the universe slaps it. You know, but that that takes a lot of learning. It's not easy.